This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSE.com as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. And good evening, everybody. Welcome into Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network on this Tuesday night. Great to have you with us as we've made our way down to Florida. Clemson getting ready to play Tennessee on Friday. South Carolina getting ready to play Notre Dame on Friday. And tonight, Coastal Carolina in action in Birmingham, kicking off in about, what, 40 minutes or so against East Carolina. Chris Bergen is there with the Shauna Clears. We'll be chatting with him momentarily great to have you with us tonight let me give you the road rage report on i-95 t-e-r-r-i-b-l-e terrible as charles would say terrible 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 if you're coming this way make plans to leave seriously now no bs here if you're coming south for the bowl games and you plan X number of hours, add about conservatively three, depending on how far south you're going. Today, as usual, bottleneck getting out of South Carolina on our puny two lanes on I-95. Even when you hit the beautiful three lanes in Georgia, it was really stop and go much of the way because of the volume of traffic. So getting out of South Carolina, starting at about right around Hardyville. Now, maybe a little more north than Hardyville. It was bad. Very, very bad. And this was in the morning I'm talking about. This wasn't midday. This was starting in the morning. So, and then even into Florida, where you have beautiful three and four lanes Getting through Jacksonville, there's construction around the intersection with 295 that had the lanes down one lane, and so traffic was backing up there. And then getting through Jacksonville, where you make the curve to go uh, south towards Daytona Beach, backed up there. It really didn't open up until you got past St. Augustine. And I have a theory for that, Pat. I have a theory. The traffic eased up after St. Augustine because all the grandmas and grandpas got off of 95 to go to St. Augustine to go drink from the fountain of youth, opening it up for the rest of us young people to get through and have a smooth ride into the south part of Florida. My point is, if you're coming this way, uh, and you may know this already if you've done it before, I'll tell you again, prepare a couple of extra hours, maybe three, because that's what it's going to take because the traffic is that bad. And, of course, the bottleneck in Jasper County in South Carolina is just awful, just awful. I'm glad we've got those three lanes running through Florence County. Boy, really need that traffic to flow through Florence County right there in Florence. That's a beautiful place to have three lanes on 
95, but uh, the rest of the highway, you know, has to live with the two-lane situation. But anyway, that's the rage report for today. You knew it was coming, and if you're headed down this way, uh, expect to uh, to be caught in traffic. Uh, even going back, traffic going north was horrendous as well. So I wish you Godspeed and uh, and best of luck. Our phone number, 888-898-2525. That is the South Carolina Education Lottery Lucky Number on this Tuesday night edition of Sports Talk. Busy day around the Gamecocks and the Tigers, uh, both practicing today, uh, both having media sessions today for the Gamecocks. They moved their practice over to the Episcopal School near the stadium because they they practiced on a grass surface yesterday. They practiced on artificial turf today. And uh, then afterwards, some defensive players were made available to the media. No coaches. Some defensive players were made available to the media. No news was made by anybody anywhere with anything at South Carolina today that I could tell. We'll bring you some comments from some players as we move on through the program tonight. Clemson worked out as well today, and then they had a more formal – actually, their their interview session was first thing this morning. The Orange Bowl does their press conferences first thing in the morning. Like uh, tomorrow morning, Clemson's media session will be at 8 o'clock, and that will be for the uh, defensive people. Today it was the offensive people, so we'll hear from Brandon Streeter, and uh, we'll also – hear from some of his uh, offensive players, bring that to you as we move on through the program tonight as well. Uh, we are uh, hoping to be hearing from Chris Bergen from Birmingham to kind of give us a quick scene setter, and he'll be joining us here in just a couple of minutes. He's finishing up a little bit of work on the Coastal Carolina radio broadcast, and he's going to be checking in with us in a minute or two, and we'll bring him to you live from Birmingham, kind of give you a up-to-date, last-minute scene setter before uh, Coastal Carolina uh, takes on ECU tonight. Uh, what's expected to be a high-scoring football game because both of these teams defensively have had their struggles this year. They both have excellent quarterbacks, and we'll see how healthy Grayson McCall is tonight after dealing with all those injuries, see if he's able to play at 100% level, see if he's able to – um, get it back to where it was before being hurt, see if he can avoid uh, being hurt once again and make it through a complete ball game in what will likely be his last game as a shot. Uh, is it possible, is it possible that he ends up at Wake Forest? Because it's being reported that Sam Hartman, who of course played his high school ball at Oceanside Collegiate in Mount Pleasant, and set all kind of records at Wake Forest, right around 13,000 passing yards, 110 touchdowns. And the report is he is going to uh, put his name in the transfer portal, John, to transfer to Notre Dame. How about that? Sam Hartman reportedly going to transfer to uh, Notre Dame. Now, I wonder how Tyler Buckner feels about that, the current starting quarterback for Notre Dame. You might be seeing his name in the portal, John, after Friday, and and, and he will be heading out somewhere else. Uh, these guys do not like competition. They want to be in a, a spot where they can be the guy and have the keys to the car, and nobody's going to mess with them about it. But that is uh, the report earlier today about Sam Hartman. So, and my point is, if Sam Hartman you know, follows through and ends up at Notre Dame, that opens up a spot there at Wake Forest 
And I think the kind of offense they run at Wake Forest, I mean, to my eye, would be a, a good fit for a Grayson McCall with what he does. I mean, would they change their offense from that mesh, what do they call that mesh running game uh, where it's a real slow developing run and then the running back takes off? Um, I'm not sure you can slow Grayson McCall down that much because he plays at such a high speed and at such a tempo. Uh, I don't know that. I don't know that he would want to do it that way. Maybe they would adjust to fit his skills. Or maybe he's thinking about heading to Liberty to rejoin his coach up there. Uh, Chris can share more on that when he joins us from Birmingham in just a little bit. But uh, that is one of the uh, big stories of the day nationally. As far as the uh, bowl games today, we have had uh, one game completed. It involved a Sun Belt team. It was Buffalo and Georgia Southern. And Buffalo wins it 23-21 to finish their season 7-6. and six. Listening to that ballgame a little bit, because of the huge snowstorm that hit Buffalo, many fans who had planned to come down to Montgomery for that game could not. And, maybe, and also some of the, the folks uh, with the program, some of the folks, uh, support personnel and things like that, they weren't able to get out of Buffalo to get down to Alabama to be with their team. But they won nonetheless 23-21. In the fourth quarter, Memphis is leading Utah State 24-10. to That's in the first responder bowl in Dallas, Texas. And uh, let's see, coming up tonight, we've got, of course, um, Coastal Carolina, East Carolina. And that's in uh, Birmingham, in, the, um, in, in Birmingham at the Protective Stadium. Uh, they listed here as the Birmingham Bowl, but I know Chris said it's got some kind of uh, – it's got some kind of uh, – uh, sponsor name to it. I don't remember off the top of my head what it is. It really doesn't matter. And then later tonight, we start to get to the good stuff. You got Wisconsin and Oklahoma State in the guaranteed rate bowl out in uh, Arizona, out in Phoenix. So the juicy games are starting to pop up on the schedule. Uh, tomorrow, you've got UCF and Duke at uh, 2 o'clock. And that is in the Military Bowl. Then at uh, 5.30, you got Kansas and Arkansas. Boy, two teams. This should be called the Fade to Black Bowl because both these teams started off like uh, a house on fire, and then they struggled through the rest of the season. Both finished 6-6, six and six, and they will play at 5.30 tomorrow in the Liberty Bowl in Memphis. And then at 8 o'clock tomorrow night is Oregon, and North Carolina in the Holiday Bowl out in San Diego. And uh, that game's going to kick off at uh, 8 o'clock, Oregon and North Carolina. Get a look at Drake May again. Saw him against Clemson, of course, last time out, and he was handled uh, pretty well by the Tigers in the second half of that game. And then also uh, tomorrow night at 9 o'clock in the Texas Bowl, you've got Texas Tech and Ole Miss. So that's the schedule for tomorrow. I believe we've got Mr. Bergen standing by live from beautiful Birmingham, Alabama, on what I'm sure is a crisp, cool <laughs> night there in downtown Birmingham. Chris, welcome. How are you? I'm well, sir, and it does matter to the uh, TicketSmarter.com people who actually do sponsor the uh, Birmingham Bowl. So I would imagine it does matter to them. 
that their sponsor name gets out. But <laughs> you're right about the about the cool weather here in Birmingham. Uh, kickoff temperature is supposed to be about 42, 43 degrees. So I've uh, layered up. But uh, interesting, not nearly the uh, weather. You would you don't think coming to Alabama, you have to worry about snow and ice. But they actually had some roads north of here in the northern part of the state this morning that were impassable because of snow and ice. Uh, so crazy weather out this way. It's supposed to obviously start to warm up as it is back home. But uh, looking forward to what should be a terrific game tonight, Phil. If you don't have a uh, don't have a lot to do for the next four hours, I would suggest settling in because this may be a similar ball game that Coastal has played in its two bowl games previously where defense has been optional. Yeah, yeah, you talked about that earlier. What will be the keys for Coastal Carolina winning this ball game? And you mentioned defense, and they've lost some guys on that defensive side, and the guys that they lost, key players, that's not going to help their cause tonight. Well, you would hope you'd have someone like Isaiah Stewart available, one of their best pass rushers, but he's already committed to uh, Michigan, so he's not playing tonight. And Lance Boykin in the uh, secondary, that's going to be a huge loss for them. He has opted out along with uh, the Jordan Strong, two of their stalwarts in the back portion of their defense. They both opted out to uh, start getting ready for the NFL draft and against the East Carolina team that can throw it as well as they can and put up points in bunches behind uh, Holt Mailers in that offense. You've got a, a running game that's pretty solid solid in a passing attack that's tremendous. That's going to be a big challenge. And I think Coastal's defense field, to answer your question, has to find a way to get off to a pretty good start, maybe get a couple of early stops because they have been shredded the last couple of weeks and have not played since that uh, Sunbelt Conference uh, title game loss to Troy. So I think they need to get some confidence defensively. And then obviously I don't know that you can have empty possessions, bar a basketball term, if your offense uh, goes out there. I think uh, Grayson McCall and the offense probably have to score every time they touch the football thereabouts. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of Grayson McCall, though, that's a bonus for Coastal to have him back. Just how healthy is he? Would you say he's 100%? Would you say he's 80%? Where would you put it from what you know? Don't know how much uh, he's been able to heal. I would say probably just a, a, a guess would be 80%. 80% of Grayson McCall from what I've seen over the years is is not bad. And I, I, I'm not sure he's been 100% since he was in high school. So 80% of, of Grayson, I think, would actually be a pretty good thing. But, uh, you know, it, it's interesting that um, you mentioned him because Chad Staggs has noted a couple of times he's one of the great college football stories. In an era now where kids opt out or they transfer and don't play in the bowl game, he and his starting center, Willie Lampkin, who's committed to North Carolina, both are playing tonight. And, Phil, I'd be hard-pressed. I can't think of many college teams around the country that have two kids who have already gone into the transfer portal, one that's already committed to another school and are going to play in their team's bowl game. Quite unusual. Yeah, that is that is strange. That is strange. What can you do when your coach has already left you and other members of the staff are going to be leaving you and you can't tell the guys, okay, well, get on out of here, you know, because your, your <laughs> coach has already left. I mentioned uh, before you joined us the story about Sam Hartman leaving Wake Forest reportedly to transfer to Notre Dame, and I threw out the idea that McCall, because he is from North Carolina, because they do run – a, a kind of an option mm-hmm. offense with a, a with a quarterback who needs to be versatile and, and who can run. And I threw out there the idea, the prospect, that that might be a landing spot for McCall if he follows through on his transfer. What do you think? You know, I have not thought about that, Phil, but it makes a lot of sense. And uh, Grace, it appears to be a pretty sharp young man, so I'm not sure the academics at Wake Forest would scare him away. So I think it'd be a perfect fit for them, for him. And we were talking about it earlier about the fact that it's been, what, two weeks? 
since he announced he was jumping in the portal right after the Troy game, not long after that. And that's somewhat unusual, too. You don't see kids go into the uh, portal and not announce a new school within, say, a week's time. So maybe he's sitting back thinking about, well, should I come back to Coastal? Maybe now he changes a little bit of his thinking, especially with Sam Hartman leaving Wake Forest. They're going to need a quarterback, and you're right. They don't run exactly the same spread option attack that Coastal has, but it's pretty close. And so I've got, I think that makes a lot of sense, quite frankly. All right. What's the crowd expectation for tonight? Well, judging by what we saw last night while we were wandering around for dinner, I would say East Carolina fans probably outnumber Coastal fans 6-1 to one at least. They mm. just started letting the fans in for the uh, 545 local time kickoff. My guess is this is going to sound much more like Greenville, North Carolina than Conway, South Carolina for sure tonight. So Coastal's going to have to treat this not just like a bowl game, but obviously a road game as well tonight because I don't think they're going to have the crowd in their favor. Okay, my man. Well, listen, you have a great call on the uh, Coastal Network from the sideline when they are gracious enough to throw it down to you. Uh, You're all over Myrtle Beach Radio tonight. You're with us. You're on the Coastal Network, so you're everywhere down there. That's a beautiful thing. Uh, Enjoy, and uh, we will talk to you tomorrow on the flip side. Sounds good, Phil, and don't forget to – I'll have the uh, story and audio and the like afterwards up on our website at sportstalksc.com. Okay, my man, thanks very much. Chris Bergen live from Birmingham leading up to kickoff of that game tonight there at Protective Stadium at the UAB campus between East Carolina and the Coastal Carolina. Appreciate the update. We uh, go to our opening break, and we'll come back and take some phone calls. And the uh, phone number is 888-898-2525. That is the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number. Right here on Sports Talk since 2002, more than $4.2 billion in lottery proceeds have been used to fund scholarships and grants for South Carolina students. Learn more about the lottery's impact at seeducationlottery.com slash education. Wins, of course, playing for fun is a win for education. We're back in a moment. South Carolina's taste buds have spoken, and they're asking for beef. There are more than 7,800 farms raising cattle from pasture to plate in the Palmetto State. So whether it's steaks on the grill before the big game, sirloin medallions plated for date night, or burgers with a family, make sure beef is a part of your playbook this football season. Smoke, grilled, and slow-roasted. Find the best way to enjoy your beef at secattle.org. Beef. It's what's for dinner in South Carolina. Funded by the South Carolina Beef Council, part of the Beef Checkoff Program. We're with Major Billy Downer of DNR. Of course, South Carolina is great for the hunters, Major. What do the hunters need to remember before they get out in the fields? It seems like every other show we're talking about hunting safety of some sort. One thing we want hunters in this state to remember is always identify your target and what lies beyond it. Make sure before you pull that trigger that you know what you're looking at. Whether it's a turkey during turkey season or a deer during deer season, you know your identifying features of your game. You know what's beyond that target in case you miss. Learn more about the great outdoors in South Carolina with Major Billy Downer on SC Wild here on the Sports Talk Media Network. 
Show your team pride wherever you go with Founders Federal Credit Union's Collegiate Debit Cards. Get your University of South Carolina and Clemson University debit cards at any Founders office or by calling 1-800-845-1614. Plus, our debit cards are digital wallet ready, so you can pay however you please. Not a member? Visit RelaxJoinFounders.com or one of our 37 convenient locations to see if you qualify for membership. Terms and conditions apply. Founders Federal Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. We are back on Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network on this Tuesday night. And our phone number, 888-898-2525. South Carolina Education Lottery, lucky number to your phone calls. Just a moment, a couple lines are open. We invite your input. want to mention that if you're looking ahead to the summer and you're thinking about vacation and why shouldn't you be, give our guy Jimmy Smith a call at pauliesvacationrentals.com. That phone number is 843-237-4246. And if you're thinking about perhaps buying some property or maybe selling some property you have at the beach already and you need the very best service, people that really care about your needs and take care of you, I can speak with firsthand knowledge about Jimmy and his staff and how good they are. You give them a call at 843-237-4246. They will handle whatever situation you have. Again, that number for Jimmy Smith and James Smith Realty, 843-237-4246, paulysvacationrentals.com. Check them out. Go by and see Jimmy in his office. Check out all his uh, sports memorabilia. My goodness, he's got a a collection that rivals a sports museum, and it's all kind of great stuff. Heavy Gamecock, I'll give you that. Heavy Gamecock lean to it, but he's got a mixture of others as well. Clemson, Georgia, some North Carolina in there. That's it's it's a lot of lot of fun to walk through there and see what he has collected over the years. He'll be happy to show it to you. All right, to your phone calls, we go to Harold in Greenville. First up with us tonight here on Sports Talk. Welcome in, Harold. How are you? I'm doing fine, Cohen. First of all, let me give kudos to Pat. I know the screener producer. He's top shelf. He's in the class by himself. Okay, now he certainly is. You better believe it. Listen, I want to talk about uh, Coastal Carolina. What you? Uh, uh, I, I, Chris is not on the line right now, is he? No, no he's gone on to do his work okay, with the Coastal about Network. Call leaving. Listen, I'm holding my breath. If I was the coach coming into Coastal Carolina, I'd be going after Luke Doty at South Carolina for my quarterback. He would fit into what they do. Now that scares me to death. I don't. I was told that Luke Doty was red-shirted, and if need be, if he comes into the bowl game, that wouldn't count against his red shirt. Is that right? That is correct. The NCAA, as they tend to do for whatever okay. reason, they've issued a one-time waiver for players who've already been in four games, but if you play them in a bowl game this year, it's not going to count against them so they can maintain their redshirt eligibility. They probably did this because so many teams lost players to the transfer portal, John. It's left them short in some areas, and 
So in South Carolina's case, they were you know hoping to res- preserve that red shirt for Doty. But if something happens to um, to Rattler, I mean you got Joiner you could stick in there, but Doty would be the the number one choice. And now they can use him. They can use him and not lose that red shirt year. So he'll have this oh. year back. Okay, the reason I'm asking, and I'm I'm getting a gut feeling that Luke Doty and that bowl game, he, he's going to play a factor. You know, it's just a gut feeling I have, and and 95 percent of my gut feelings come to you know uh, uh, come true. But uh, fruition, I, yeah, I, right. How okay. how do you think? How do you expect them to use him? How do you expect them to use him? In what way? If something happened to Rattler. I'm mean, seeing him. Listen, I listen. I uh, seen him in the Georgia game. The same offense that uh, Rattler couldn't do against uh, Marcus Satterfield's offense. With Luke Doty, his last two drives took him right down the field. You know, against Georgia. Uh, I'm not. I don't know what goes on in practice. Listen, Luke Doty is a good quarterback. Listen, if, if I was a coach coming in at uh, Coastal Carolina, and I hope he don't do this, but I'd go after Luke Doty. And uh, mm. but that's going to be the game tonight to watch. Coastal Carolina, you know, in East Carolina, that's going to be your main attraction. But uh, I mean, I well, now, keep in mind that. when you say, yeah, keep in mind, you know, uh, theoretically, you're not supposed to go after a player unless he's in the transfer portal. And Luke's, he's he's been pretty clear about not wanting to leave South Carolina, and he has no plans to transfer. So I think his plan is to stick it out at South Carolina and wait to get his um, his shot and be the man there, whether it's this coming season or the following season. Welcome back, everybody. Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network on a Tuesday night. We're in Florida where the weather has gotten warmer as we've moved south, touching the low 60s to this point. I know coming through Jacksonville, it was in the 50s, and then it got gradually warmer as we went deeper into the southern part of Florida. So, And it's supposed to get warmer here today, so the weather is what you would want this time of year in late December for bowl season in Jacksonville and also in Fort Lauderdale. So we're looking forward to that. In the meantime, we have some open lines for you. 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery, lucky number for you to join us tonight on Sports Talk. How are you feeling about the two games coming up, South Carolina's game and Clemson's game? Our poll question of the week asks – what do you think is going to be the uh, outcome? Do you think uh, Clemson's going to win? South Carolina's going to lose? Do you think uh, Clemson's going to lose? South Carolina's going to win? Both are going to win. Both are going to lose. 400 voters in on the number. 38.8% picking the Gamecocks to win. Clemson to lose. 31.5% think both will win. 25.5% see a Clemson win and a USC loss. And 4.3% see both teams losing on Friday. Boo on you for thinking that, okay? I mean, let's at least get one W, if not two Ws, out of our state teams 
on Friday. Uh, Pam, have you got your have you got your picks in your head yet? I'm still kind of I'm still kind of mulling it over. Um, I mean, I could see where both teams could win. I could see where both teams could lose. Uh, the lines are are still pretty tight uh, for the two of them. So I'm not really sure yet which way I'm going to fall. Probably figure something out by tomorrow. What about you? Are you you leaning one way or the other in either one of these bowl, uh, bowl games? Well, I, I've got my mind made up in the Clemson-Tennessee game. I have not yet made up my mind with the, the South Carolina-Notre Dame. I keep, I keep going back and forth on that. It really is almost like four completely different teams uh, between Clemson-Tennessee and then South, Carol- South Carolina-Notre Dame. So I think we can all just do the best we can, but you're almost kind of throwing a, a shot in the dark at this point just because you don't really know what to expect. With South Carolina, you still have Spencer Rattler yeah. there, and you have Wells there, but on top of that, who is he going to throw the ball to? Uh, who, who are going to be the playmakers on yeah. offense for him? Uh, what running backs are going to show up? I mean, it's, so it's not we, we've spent a lot of time talking about the receiving core, but how about the running back room? I mean, who exactly is going to be the lead the lead carrier there as well? And uh, they've had such a strength with their depth this season at the running back position. Even when you when you had Beal Smith and Marshawn Lloyd injured, you were able to shift over a Jaheim Bell, who's just so such a dynamic playmaker. You were able to to use him to your advantage as well. You still had McDowell as well, but. There's just so many question marks. And then with Notre Dame, it's going to be a totally different offense uh, starting from the quarterback position without their star tight end and so forth. So that's the one that I'm having a harder time deciding. I do feel fairly confident in this Cade Klubnick-led Clemson offense. Uh, Yes, it'll be different than the ACC championship game because Tennessee's had nearly a month to prepare for it or a couple of weeks to prepare for it. They have game film on Klubnick now, whereas we're all aware that Mac Brown – still can't believe he openly admitted that they spent hmm. zero minutes preparing for Cade Klubnick. Um, so that, that will be a little bit different, but I still just feel like that offense is so much more electric, so much more dynamic. He makes the receivers so much better. He puts the ball in the right spot, or at least did in the limited time we've seen him play. I feel fairly confident in, uh, mm-hmm. in Clemson to beat Tennessee. And to cover. All right. All right. Well, that's, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair picking. Um, uh, Again, I got to uh, I got to think a little bit more on this uh, before sure. I make my declaration. We still have a couple of more days before. Uh, well, I guess by um, by Thursday we have to have all our picks in for the pick'em contest. I'll have mine mine done by then. Uh, phone number triple eight eight nine eight two five two five. If you'd like to join us on the program tonight, love to hear from you. In the meantime, uh, today in Fort Lauderdale this morning before the Tigers went out on the field. Uh, they met with the media. It was the offensive side of things. Klubnik was one of the folks talking to the media. But Brandon Streeter, offensive coordinator, uh, quarterbacks coach, was uh, was there. They, they, they brought in uh, the coordinator. They'll do, they'll do the same thing for defense tomorrow. Uh, here's a few minutes from uh, Brandon Streeter uh, talking about, of course, the, the transition to Klubnik, uh, how that has gone to this point, uh, what he'll be expecting from him, how the offense – you know, might change now that it's it's another guy. It's a it's a fresh face. It's a new name. It's new energy. However you want to put it, um, it's a new world on the offensive side for Clemson. Will Klubnik have the same 
impact. This is totally unfair to say, but will he have, or even question, will he have a similar impact that Trevor Lawrence had on this offense when he replaced Kelly Bryant? Well, I mean, we're not, you know, are we thinking national championship here for Clemson? Is club that good to elevate the Clemson offense? I mean, he doesn't have a Travis Etienne in the backfield, does he? Do you put Shipley in the same category as Etienne in terms of the quality at running back? Maybe you do. I mean, Shipley, I don't want to take anything away from him. What he doesn't have, he doesn't have the receiving core right now that Trevor Lawrence had. Uh, Here is some from uh, Streeter, Brandon Streeter today, talking to the media about Klubnik, the offense, and getting ready for Tennessee. They're very multiple, um, very multiple. Um, They're very big up front. Um, They do a really good job of um, stunting and moving around and and, uh, trying to create confusion. Um, and then on the back end, they do a really good job of mixing up coverages and post-snap recognition is going to be really important for the quarterbacks. Um, very active defense. They run well, got a lot of speed. Um, so it'll be a big challenge for us. I mean, they're very good in tackles for loss. Um, they're, they're, they're ranked very high in red zone defense um, and rush defense. And so um, we've been talking about it all week long, just about the challenge um, that we have um, against this Tennessee defense. How the practice has been different Kate Yeah, I mean, obviously when you have a transition and you have a, a change and, and different guys in the room um, for the last, uh, last week and a half or two weeks, you know, it's definitely different because we have a very, very tight nip tight-knit uh, group in that quarterback room and and uh, you know DJ obviously was a, a big big part of that thing we wouldn't be here without DJ and uh, and Kate and DJ had a great relationship so um, and then Billy Wiles as well you know um, up and left and and uh, great kid and just um, so it's a little bit different dynamic but it's been really good it's been a good two weeks of just developing uh, more relationships um, and and uh, chemistry for our quarterbacks with with the receivers and just the the differences in that. Um, and Kate's done an awesome job. Kate has so much energy and leadership, um, maturity. Um, one of the hardest jobs on the team is to be a backup quarterback and and try to be prepared and ready. Um, when you have no idea when you're going in. Now, like you said, we did have a plan um, for the ACC championship game to get Kate in the game in that third series, and and we executed that plan. And um, but now it's just a little bit. It's a different approach because because now you know the situation as far as Cade's concerned, and you know that he's the starter and he's going to be able to prepare. Um, and knowing that <clears throat> he's starting is a, is a whole different mindset than being the backup and just not sure if you know you're going to go in the game or not. And and so um, he's done a great job of preparation. He always has done a good job. But uh, it's been fun to watch him um, take that next step as a leader since he became the starter. And um, and these guys have really rallied around him. So it's been fun to watch. Personally, where does arm strength fall in the list of priorities that you want yeah, arm strength, arm strength is definitely important to me, but it's not the most important. Um, you know, I would say um, decision-making and accuracy would come before arm strength. 
Um, but anytime you have a guy that can do all three of those things and uh, a guy that has the ability to make the throws, whether it's off platform or um, you know off balance or on the run, um, you know you can create and and do more things and potentially be more explosive. So it's definitely you know um, a priority, but it's not necessarily the most important one. How do you bring along a young player and quarterback to not tie his hands too much, but then also kind of not stop his throw? Yeah, I, I really think that um, number one, you got to get him in rhythm and and continue to make sure that he has confidence and so you know high percentage throws are good obviously um, to get him rolling um, and then you know like you said you, you don't want to put a cap on it though either because he's learning every single day and um, and, and whenever you give an opportunity for a guy to grow um, and, and kind of hand over the, the, the keys to the offense um, it's fun to watch how they blossom and so um, just being able to work together as a as a the quarterback's coach and and uh, and as with the quarterback and just making sure we're on the same page and trusting and um, and then I would say the other thing is you know, just having some progression reads where, you know, it's a true progression. Um, and that way, you know, it's it's very clean. It's a little bit simpler and uh, allows them to play fast. So how much do you give a young guy like that in terms of being able to make adjustments at the line of scrimmage? Yeah. Yeah, he definitely there are some there's certain situations where he definitely will be able to to change um, some of the protections and plays. Um, and so, you know, he's a smart kid. And, and I think as he grows, the more we would be able to allow him to do that. But he's done it already. And so he'll definitely be able to change a lot of the. Um, some of the plays that we have, like I said, and especially the protections. Yeah, so as multiple as you were talking about Tennessee being, yep. this is kind of a, a good early test for him. Yes. What you see. Absolutely, absolutely. And so, so our game plan has always been, man, just doing a great job of trying to keep it as simple as possible um, and not trying to do too much. Um, and he's done a really good job of that. And, and uh, you know, as long as he continues to just trust his progression and trust the offense and not try to do more than what he has to do, he doesn't have to be a hero. We got a lot of guys around him that are helping to support him. And so um, he's done a great job of that when he's been in there in games. And um, he's got a great poise about him. And so um, he'll do a great job. Okay, there you go. Brandon Streeter, Clemson offensive coordinator. And Streeter, talking to the media earlier today about the offense, about getting ready for Tennessee, what he expects to see. And, of course, getting Cade uh, Klubnick ready to go as the Tigers quarterback. Confident that Klubnick uh, has the stuff, has the stuff they're looking for to be the guy at quarterback uh, for them. And, you know, he showed in that North Carolina game that, indeed, he could do some some, some good things. to play a little bit better defense here against a Tennessee, and the question becomes for Clemson, uh, protecting him. Remember now they're going to have a backup at left guard because of injury, so that's one thing you have to consider. And then number two, those receivers have got to, um, they've got to step it up. You know, they've got to play better. Uh, can they can they win their one-on-one battles with the uh, Tennessee secondary, which has been pretty good? Um, now, the, as I mentioned last night, Jeremy Banks, their outstanding linebacker, uh, he's gone because of uh, 
he's moving on to the to the NFL, you know, draft preparation thing. But um, can Clemson's receivers get open, and can they catch the football? I mean, they've had an issue with drops this year. Now, Ngata has gotten better. I think that they are um, they're feeling like he's starting to come around and play a little bit better for him. Williams has been uh, tremendous from the get-go as a true freshman. He's been outstanding. Uh, the tight ends have been uh, very um, dependable. So uh, the weaponry basically is there if they play at a at a pretty high level. Um, what's going to you know? Are you going to get more out of Specter uh, in this game? You know, uh, what about? Um, Turner, you know, Cole Turner is he the is he the wild card after what what we saw from him in the uh, in the championship game? Is he the is he the wild card in this thing? So, a lot of questions about the Clemson receivers, Pat, going into this ball game. Who's going to stand up and and kind of be the the hero there at wide receiver? I, I mean, I, I know Antonio Williams certainly has the skills and the ability to to do that. Um, and like I mentioned, Ngata appears to be playing better and with more confidence. Uh, will they, as a group, uh, play well enough to uh, help their quarterback have a nice game against Tennessee? You bring up a lot of great points because there are certainly question marks on the offensive side for Clemson, but I, I do feel fairly strongly that uh, Antonio Williams will come out and play well. He's had some time to kind of recuperate from some of his nagging injuries that he's kind of been dealing with. Joseph and got Joseph and got a similar story had some nagging injuries throughout a majority of the season which unfortunately has plagued his Clemson career uh, but I expect him to come out and be healthier and maybe want to and correct me if I'm wrong we do not know yet at this point about Ngata's future do we he has not made any sort of announcement for his future is that right we do not okay uh, well I do expect him to come out and play really well just in case this is his final game in a Clemson uniform whether it be to, to attempt to move on to the next level which I don't think would be wise or or even feasible or if he decides to transfer but I expect a big game from him mm -hmm. as well and then uh, you hit the nail on the head with Cole Turner he and Cade Klubnick seem to have a good connection going on that I'm I don't know this for sure but it seems logical to think that maybe they had a lot of practice reps going on, both not seeing the field as much during the games, whether it be just practicing or whatever. I think a lot. I think the two of them made quite a connection uh, throughout the season from a practice standpoint, and I, I expect that to continue. And then also uh, fully expect the running backs to get more involved out of the backfield and to see both Shipley and Maffa catch some balls to help with the uh, from a receiving standpoint. Yeah, excellent point as well. Okay, let's go to the break, and we'll be back with more sports talk in just a moment. We are here in Florida. Uh, Smitty will be with the Gamecocks tomorrow. He'll be there for their post-practice interviews. They will make the um, offensive players, some selected offensive players available. No Spencer Rattler tomorrow. Uh, my guess is Spencer Rattler will participate in the main press conference on Thursday. At least that would be my hope that he'd be made available for that. But he's not on the list to be interviewed tomorrow. We'll be back after the break.
if an insurance company is there to sell you insurance, shouldn't it also be there to service it with real people? At Farm Bureau Insurance, we're here to help with experienced agents ready to provide personal service when you need it most. Call today for your free no-obligation review for auto, home, and life insurance that's custom-tailored just for you. Whether it's home, auto, or life insurance, Buddy Bridges and Farm Bureau Insurance have the right policy for you. Call Buddy today in Lawrence County at 864-923-2174. South Carolina Farm Bureau Mutual Insurance Company, Southern Farm Bureau Casualty Insurance Company, Southern Farm Bureau Life Insurance Company, Jackson, Mississippi. Think big. Life-changing. I'm talking education. Inventive. Next-level education. Wake up. For 20 years, education has received billions in funding. Where, you ask? (laughs) Right here, across our state, in your own backyard. Who has done this? Well, if you've ever played the lottery, that would be you. Thank you. The South Carolina Education Lottery. When you play, we all win. When your day calls for some winning, why not watch your favorite football team at Dave & Buster's? We've got massive HDTVs and hundreds of the hottest new games. Sit from our chef-crafted cocktail menu with exclusive drinks such as the strawberry watermelon margarita or dangerous waters. Cheer on the team with cantina nachos or wings featuring one of our 12 wing flavors. When your day calls for some winning, it's time for Dave & Buster's where you can watch the games and play the games. Locations in Greenville, Columbia, and Myrtle Beach. Well, they're underway in Birmingham, East Carolina, with the uh, opening kick and uh, no score in that one in the first quarter. Coastal Carolina and East Carolina still to come tonight. Wisconsin and Oklahoma State earlier. It was Buffalo over Georgia Southern, 23-21, and Memphis beat Utah State, 38-10. In Jacksonville today, the Gamecocks practiced once again, and afterwards, several members on the defensive side uh, met with members of the media to talk about the practice sessions, getting ready for Notre Dame. One of those, the veteran linebacker, Sherrod Green, who's had a, a really nice career at South Carolina. He's battled through a lot of injuries He came back this year and avoided major injury. He actually lost his starting job to Mo Caba when Mo Caba went down with a knee injury. Green stepped in, took him a little while to get up to speed, but I think he's played good football through the season. And, of course, a veteran guy, the leader on that defensive side. And you need a leader with uh, the departures they've had on the defensive side since the end of the season and some of the other injuries. But you lose a guy like, say, Zach Pickens, for example. That's a big leader right there who's not with you. So a guy like Green steps up. Here's Green as he talked with members of the media after today's practice. We just like to run the ball pretty much. They are pretty much uh, a downhill team, and we just have to play to stop around football. You know, that's about it. What's the confidence level of this defense right now, and what's really raising it as you guys are practicing? Uh, so what's the confidence level? I, I think it's very high right now. Um, even though we lost Zach and them boys, we still got an edge on our shoulders. Uh, we got a lot of guys that can play, you know, Tom Birch and all them guys, Stone, people just coming up behind us. Because uh, after we leave, it's going to be their team. So 
I know guys coming along great, man. Pretty much gonna do what we gotta do. What's next for you after the bowl? Uh, try to train. Yeah. Train for uh, Florida. You know where you're Florida. gonna train? Either Fort Lauderdale or Miami. Okay. A little warm weather. Train. Yeah, got to. Yeah. <laughs> got to. I don't like the cold too much. I don't blame you. Um, <laughs> You obviously, this is your last game, but some of these younger guys are going to be playing a lot next year. Mm -hmm. Who are we not talking about right now that this time next year are going to be the guys that we are talking about? Who are y'all not, not talking about? I don't know. You tell us. I mean, I mean who Stone, are of course, Debo. Uh, well, you already talking about him. Yeah. Um, oh, the freshman linebacker we got coming in. Pretty good size. Yeah, Pup. Yeah, I like how, I like how he looking right now. Yeah. That boy's strong too. We ran like a couple of drills together. He was just kind of like manhunting me a little bit. He didn't even realize how strong he was, but yeah. He looks the part too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. SEC linebacker right up. Yeah. All right, Sherrod Green, USC linebacker, senior leader. As you heard him say, going to uh, start getting ready after the the bowl game, working out and. You know, see if he can make it somewhere in the NFL, professional football somewhere. Uh, wait and see what happens there. And um, he will be key. Linebackers will be key, of course, against that running game from Notre Dame. You know Notre Dame's going to come out and line up and run the football. They don't throw it a heck of a lot. They do run it a lot. They average over 41 rushes per game. And with a quarterback who's been out since the second week of the season now just coming back, you know they're probably going to line up and just – pitch it to or hand it to those running backs uh, even more, run behind that big offensive line. They do, of course, have a, a big offensive line at Notre Dame, as you might expect. Uh, tight ends who can block. I know they lost their terrific uh, receiving tight end in Mayer, but they have other tight ends, maybe not as talented, but they have other good receivers as well when they do decide to go to the air. So it's a hands kind of full kind of assignment for the Gamecock defense, which, you know, they did give up a lot of points and a lot of yards to Clemson, but they did manage to win the ball game after falling behind 14-0. They did a good job of, of stifling the Tigers here and there, and the key will be, can the Gamecocks produce turnovers? That's what saved their bacon against Clemson, was creating turnovers. Turnovers and special teams. How much of an impact will the Gamecocks special teams have on this game? When you think about those two wins to close out the regular season over Tennessee and Clemson, those those items were crucial for South Carolina. Can they repeat that on Friday afternoon against Notre Dame? Which team wants it the most? You know, in these bowl games where you're not playing in the playoffs and you're not competing for the number one ranking now, things like that, oftentimes it boils down to who wants it the most. And I kind of think both of these teams have a want-to factor in that you know, South Carolina wants to finish with three straight wins this season over ranked teams. That would be, I'd have to go back and look, if, if not a first, a don't go near a first for them. It's certainly something for Shane Beamer to build on and the momentum into the offseason. Marcus Freeman having suffered some embarrassing losses this year at home to Marshall and to Stanford. Okay, two teams they should have smashed. Uh, but they took their eye off the ball. But a great way for them to uh, jump into, into the offseason would be a win over a ranked South Carolina team. So I think there's a lot of want to on both sides. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. 
You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. Welcome back, everybody. Hour number two of Sports Talks. Talk Media Network Tuesday night hearing a bunch from the Gamecocks and the Tigers as they get ready for their games coming up on Friday. The Gamecocks in the afternoon, the Tigers in the evening. Nice doubleheader setup that we have for us in the bowl season. Of course, Coastal Carolina is playing their game as we speak in Birmingham against East Carolina. We'll update that for you in just a moment. The phone number, 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery Lucky Number. Here on Sports Talk, we invite you to give us a call if you want to join us tonight. East Carolina has taken a 3-0 lead on Coastal Carolina, 28-yard field goal, 10.55 to go in the opening quarter. Pirates are on top. We'll see if the uh, Chanticleers can get something going offensively. East Carolina on top, 3-0 in that one uh, early on. Again, phone number 888-898-2525 is our phone number. Let's go back to the phones. And it's Gamecock Larry joining us tonight from Swansea. Gamecock Larry, welcome in. Good to have you with us. Hope you're doing well. I'm doing okay, sir. On your poll question, uh, we're going to Gamecocks going to win. I'll call you if you take my call Thursday afternoon, Thursday evening, mm-hmm. give me my prediction. Double, you don't you don't run your starting quarterback up off. You don't got this cave Klimnik in there, but I'm gonna tell you, you in for a letdown. Cave's gonna have he ain't gonna have a game he ain't gonna have the game he think he's gonna have. He's gonna have the jitters. He didn't have them against North Carolina because I think they played North Carolina. I don't know whether they did or not, but anyway, he ain't gonna do too good. He's gonna be a letdown. And then you're gonna, you got two five-star quarterbacks coming in, so that means you got three five-star quarterbacks for next year. Boy, you better open that gate because two of them going to be going. But I'm going to tell you, I don't like Tennessee. I do not like Tennessee. But I, mm-hmm. I can't like, I can't like Hopple. And, uh, Kind of like, well, I can't like Dabo. He's he, he been my enemy for 80-something years. Well, not him, but the, ten, the Tigers. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do on Tennessee and uh, Clemson. I'm just going to sit back, mm-hmm. and I hope it winds up in a tie, and they keep playing, playing, playing till one gives out. And the other team would be 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 called a winner. I hope none of them get any more on the scoreboard. I just hope they just. In other words, wait a like minute. It. Would you would you prefer would 
W- would you prefer that they both lose? Is there some way you could work it out so both of them lose? Would that make you happy? Yes, sir. Man, that would that would suit me just fine. I would love that if they could both lose because I'd rather for them to lose than to win. That's about all i got to tell you, Mr. Field. I'll call you Thursday afternoon. And I got my predictions in about six of these games coming up. And you know, old pronosticator, the old pronosticator, sometimes right, most of the time wrong. Go, <laughs> Gamecocks. Love you all. Talk to you later. Go. All right. Thank you, Larry. Hey, at least he's honest, Pat. Sometimes right, most of the time wrong. Kind of like our guys on the Pick'em panel. We're sometimes right, we're most of the time wrong. Except for Smitty, as I pointed out earlier this week. Smitty has practically eliminated everybody else from competition with the exception of Fran Halloran, the money coach, and he's almost eliminated. I think Smitty's got a nine-game lead on him with ten games to pick. So, Pat, we need to get the old uh, sports talk king of the pick'ems crown out and ready to fit on Smitty's smooth golden locks come sometime next week. Gosh, you've got that right, Smitty, and good for him, man. I just – I say this in all seriousness. I, I genuinely hope – that he partook in some actual betting as well uh, because if he did, he had some good winnings this season. No way around it. He beat us all. He dominated us all season long. It seems like from the very beginning, uh, I, I don't want to speak for you, but I know I had, I think I, think I had one one in four week or, oh, I'm sorry, oh, in five week and a couple one in four weeks, had a couple bad ones mixed in with the good ones. I don't think Smitty did worse than two and three or three and two all season. He was incredibly consistent. And um, next year, I may have to start looking over his shoulder a little bit. You know, may have to may have to try to copy off of him a little bit because he is he he really is teaching us something. He is he is, and his his was even more impressive. Pat, he did this in the midst of having a baby. Well, he didn't have the baby, uh, but his wife had the baby. But he had to deal with everything that you know the expectant father and then the father has That's to right. deal with when the baby arrives and all. Yet he maintained, he maintained his uh, poise, his focus, and uh, he knocked, he's knocked it out of the park practically every week. That's pretty impressive. It is, and, and he is a busy man. Uh, I don't think he gets enough credit, the credit he deserves from, from us. We need to make sure he, a lot of our listeners don't hear his voice as often on the air, but when he does join us, he does a tremendous job, and just what he's able to do for Sports Talk behind the scenes, he handles all of our sales and marketing, and then he puts together so much of our audio throughout the day, really helps take a load off of uh, off of our shoulders. And just want to make sure, Smitty, if you're listening, just how much we appreciate you and everything you do. And, man, take it easy on us next year, though. Come on. I'm trying to jinx him, if you can't tell. I'm trying <laughs> oh, to jinx, <laughs> jinx him. Here's the other thing. I, I talked to him this afternoon. He's probably in bed because he's heading to Jacksonville. And I said, you know, just like I told everybody at the beginning of the show, man, plan to add about two or three hours to your to your travel because you're going to need it with the congestion on the highway. So he's probably hit the rack because he's got to get to Jacksonville tomorrow for Gamecock interviews. So it's 3 nothing East Carolina leading Coastal Carolina. 10.47 to go in the first period. East Carolina was 75 yards to 27 for Coastal. And uh, 
Coastal's had a couple of first downs. Uh, the Pirates have had four. And uh, Coastal's got the football right now. And they are moving the football a little bit. Seven-play drive. They've um, moved it 32 yards to this point. McCall, typical Grayson McCall, what is he? Three for three for 11 yards. So, you know, he's among the nation's leaders in completion percentage. He's keeping that going. Jared Brown's got two of those receptions. Holton Ehlers for East Carolina, five of six for 49 yards. He's an excellent quarterback. Remember seeing him last year when the Gamecocks uh, won there at East Carolina. Speaking of the Gamecocks, I mentioned winning three games in a row over ranked teams, which they could do if they take care of business against uh, Notre Dame. A few other notes on them compiled by Steve Fink and the sports information staff there at South Carolina. This would actually be, if they win, this would be their fourth win over a ranked team this season. Remember when they beat Kentucky, Kentucky was ranked. And um, that would be a record for South Carolina. It'd be the first time they've defeated four ranked teams in a season. They they beat number five, Tennessee, number seven, Clemson, number 13, Kentucky. The Gamecocks are looking for a nine-win season for the third time since 2017. It would guarantee a top 25 finish in the polls for the first time since 2013. Seven bowl wins in their last nine bowl appearances. Not bad considering they started their their bowl history 0-8. Give them their 11th bowl win in 25 bowl games. Three-game winning streak to end the season for the first time since 2013. Shane Beamer would be the first coach in Gamecock history to lead his team to a bowl win in each of his First two seasons, and it would give Beamer 16 wins as the Gamecocks head coach, the most wins recorded by a USC coach in his first two seasons. See, Shane Beamer, the new sheriff in town, already rewriting the record books at South Carolina and showing no let-up. You know, if Rattler were to say after the bowl game, either right after the bowl game or – Sometime thereafter, Chris, I said Chris, I meant Pat, uh, if he were to say, hey, I'm coming back for another year at South Carolina, I think South Carolina would be considered at the worst a top 15 preseason team when the polls come out, the early polls, the, the as they always put it, the way too early top 25 rankings that will come out like, you know, right after the national championship game, January 12th or 13th. But if Rattler decides he's coming back, and on top of that, the icing on the cake, if Wells says he's coming back, I think you've got to consider South Carolina a serious contender next year for the East, considering that um, Georgia, what are they going to do without Stetson Bennett? Is their time about up? Um, I mean, they're due for a step back. You know, these, these great teams, they're sort of like the stock market, right? Stock market goes up, 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 and then all of a sudden it takes a step back. And what do they call that in the financial world? Um, what's the word for that, Pat, in the financial world when the stock market kind of re- resets itself? There's a word for it uh, besides a crash. Like we're talking about a recession like we're in right now? Uh, no, no, no. There's another word for it. There's another word for it. I can't think of it. But my point is, you know, uh, they're having a great year this year, great year last year. They've been on a great run. 
Um, it catches up with you sooner or later. Look at Clemson. Okay, it's caught up with Clemson here a little bit. So, okay, maybe I shouldn't say they would be – I'm not going to say they'd be favored to win the East. Leave Georgia there, okay? Give Georgia its due. Georgia will be there. But Tennessee, you know, now they do have the great quarter. I say the great quarterback. They do have the highly, highly acclaimed high school quarterback coming in from California who allegedly, you know, signed the $8 million NIL deal. So, But he'll be a freshman. But does that really matter with quarterbacks anymore? And they have recruited well. But South Carolina and then Florida, Tennessee, South Carolina, Kentucky. I mean, I think South Carolina is as good as any of those when you think about it. I think they're as good as any of those after Georgia, and we'll see how Georgia is. That's if that's if Rattler, Wells, uh, they return. I look forward to these offensive linemen that South Carolina has signed uh, coming in and playing. I want to. I, I think they've really the, – the class that came in this year and those guys are being redshirted and the class that's coming in in 23, I think that gives South Carolina – a really good group of offensive linemen to uh, to work off of. Um, there's so no we'll denying see. it. We'll see Bill. what happens, but yeah, there's no sorry, yeah, I mean, yeah, cut you it, off. It, there's there's no denying what you're saying, and I think you were looking for uh, bear market, bull markets. Typically, when the market starts to steadily increase, bear markets when it goes down. Admittedly, I had to Google. I always get those two terms confused, yeah. but uh, but I think you're talking about bear yeah. market. But you're right. If, if Rattler comes back. With the offense, curious to see how the tight end position looks next year. I know they've brought in a couple guys, but I think that may be a question mark. But but the, this Gamecock team, going back 10, 15 years now, has a long lineage of, of having great tight ends. They seem to get, no matter who the head coach is, they get tremendous play from their tight ends. So I, I don't expect that to, to stop anytime soon. And then I know the defense had its struggles this year, but still a big believer in Clayton White and what he's able to do on the defensive side of the ball. And then Pete Limbo. I mean, we saw this year at least two or three of the Gamecock wins. I feel like you have to give a lot of that credit to Pete Limbo and what his special teams units were able to accomplish, uh, and including most recently against Clemson. I mean, that, that completely changed the game. Yes, the offense was good, but without the special teams performance, I don't think they would have left Death Valley with that win. And with Rattler coming back, the confidence that that offense has, yes, there will be a new man calling the plays next year, but still the confidence that Rattler has exuded these last few games, no idea what was going on the first eight or nine games, don't necessarily want to speculate, but but they have really gotten it together here late. And then you're right, with Will Levis leaving Kentucky, that's a big question mark there. What are they going to do? I believe their star running back is leaving as well. I think I have that right. Uh, yeah, but keep in mind, Kentucky's got a quarterback coming in. They got the Leary kid from NC State transfer. They did. So You're right, like, Devin Leary. But know. can he stay healthy? Mm-hmm. He, that was a struggle yeah. for him at NC State, along with Will Levis at Kentucky this year. Tennessee, I mean, Tennessee's going to be good, but without Hendon Hooker or is Hooker coming back? We don't exactly know what's happening there yet. Again, please correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, but that'll be a question mark. Florida, do we know yet? They have a hyped quarterback coming in, but their top two quarterbacks are gone from this year. What is it going to be like down in Florida this year? Georgia, I mean, let's face it, they've got they've got just talent on talent on talent down there. I mean, they have uh, each of their last two recruiting cycles, I think they have gotten a top three quarterback recruit in that cycle. So I, I don't really necessarily see a, see a step down there. I mean, they were able to replicate the 2021 success this year after losing how many players to the NFL? 13, yeah. 14? Yeah. yeah. Uh, they're a machine, but you're right. That, that, uh, that East – 
they might have their sights set on competing for that number two spot in the East next year. But let me remind you, and I'm not saying, and by the way, and thank you to the great coach Mike Anthony for stepping up and helping my brain. I was looking for the words market correction. Market correction. Uh, okay. When the, yeah, when the market takes a step back. Uh, and thank you, Coach Mike Anthony, one of the all-time greats, uh, shooting me the information there. But I was going to say, you know, Clemson, after they – let me see if I got my years right now. They won the national championship and lost a bunch of players on defense, remember? Lost a bunch of players on defense, and people said, hey, this Clemson team's going to take a step back. I was probably one of them. Team's going to take a step back and really struggle on defense. The offense is going to have to score 50 points. They came back next year, had another top ten defense, and and played for the national championship. If I'm not if, I, if I'm not mistaken, that was when they lost to Joe Burrow and LSU. That's right. Yep. But then, but since then, you know, it's been a bit of a, a slide for Clemson. There's no other way to when you when you when you want to compare them to their previous excellence. Okay, and maybe it's hard to continue to do that. And that's my point with Georgia. They've had such a high level of excellence. A, a correction is bound to happen. A, just like in the stock market, a, a market correction is bound to happen. It's bound to happen at Georgia. It's happened with Alabama here as well uh, last, last little bit. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Let's go to the break, and we'll come back with more phone calls. The number, 888 2525 is the uh, number to reach us on. East Carolina with a 3-0 lead on Coastal Carolina. Shauna Clears just had to punt the football. East Carolina with the football right now and is on the move, and they are starting to pile up the yardage. The Pirates have 131 yards to 21 for Coastal Carolina thus far, so they are getting something good out of their defense. And we'll go to the break. Be back in just a moment. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, healthcare, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. When your day calls for some winning, why not watch your favorite football team at Dave & Buster's? We've got massive HDTVs and hundreds of the hottest new games. Sit from our chef-crafted cocktail menu with exclusive drinks such as the Strawberry Watermelon Margarita or Dangerous Waters. Cheer on the team with Cantina Nachos or Wings featuring one of our 12 wing flavors. When your day calls for some winning, it's time for Dave & Buster's, where you can watch the games and play the games. Locations in Greenville, Columbia, and Myrtle Beach. In Columbia, South Carolina, the game days are our specialty. Whether you're watching the game from inside the stadium or from the big screen at your favorite local spot, 
the energy remains the same. Craft the perfect fall Saturday in a city where there is plenty of action on and off the field. From tubing and kayaking to Soda City to rooftop restaurants and plenty barbecue. We're ready when you are. Plan your weekend at experiencecolumbiasc.com. All right, East Carolina's knocked it in the end zone. Touchdown pass from Holton. Is it Aylers or Allers? Holton Allers, quarterback for East Carolina. 27-yard touchdown pass, and they are now up on Coastal Carolina 10. Nothing. Shauna Clears need to get something going. Offensively, they have just 21 yards to this point, 11 passing and 10 on the ground. So East Carolina out to the 10-0 lead. We go out to Missouri, where I bet you it is really, really cold. And Bruce joins us from Mizzou. Welcome in, Bruce. How are you? Well, thank you, Phil, for taking my call. It's a, it's getting warmer. It got up to 20 degrees a day, and um, it was pretty comfortable there because it's so cold. That felt pretty good. Anyway, Cupcake uh, reminds how, how, me. How uh, cold did it get at its worst? How cold did it get, Bruce? Wind chill, 36, 37, minus 37 degrees. Wind chill. Whoa. Yeah. Nobody moves That's along nice. out here. Bruce, did you try the experiment out of curiosity yeah. where you just try to dump water and see if it instantly freezes? Did you do any of that? No, I'm not mad enough to do that. <laughs> Smart man. <Okay. laughs> anyway, uh, the reason I call is, um, you know, thinking about Cupcheck, Cup uh, how he uh, handles the team and how he runs around and stuff, his energy. He reminds me a lot about May, uh, Baker Mayfield and also uh, uh, what's the quarterback that played for uh, Texas A&M, the Scrambler. He's he's both of them put together. Johnny Manziel. And he, yes, and he he Manziel? Yeah, and he he uh, energizes the team because he plays with them, and they want to go for him, and they want to go for that long bomb he throws. When he, I'm, I'm telling you, when he was an Under Armour quarterback, he played the first quarter. They didn't take him out, and then uh, they played the other two quarterbacks, and they stuck him back in uh, in the second half just to watch him play. The, the, People were going crazy on the sidelines, and the boys were having fun catching his balls and blocking for him. And it was just like, you know, he energized that, that team, and they had never played with him before, you know. So um, that's what we got. If they can, you know, cultivate him and not try to control him uh, to death, you know, I think they'll have a, a Heisman Trophy winner. Well, yeah, well, maybe. <laughs> Let's give them a chance to, you know, start a game and win it. I, I think what you're going to see, I think Clemson will come out and and throw some quick, short passes to get him going, uh, maybe run a play or two. Then I think you're going to see him try and hit deep. And I think Tennessee is going to look at the South Carolina film, especially in the second half, and, and saw where the Gamecock corners played up real tight on the Clemson receivers almost daring them to some degree, mm -hmm. and that allowed them to put pressure on Uyangalale 
uh, and force him into some mistakes. I think Tennessee will learn from that and try and do the same thing. So it goes back to what I said earlier. Can Clemson's receivers get off the line and win those one-on-one battles against this Tennessee secondary? I think that's going to be your ball game right there. Well, see, I think that's what he's going to key in is, is he's going to get them excited to do that. They're going to perform like they never have performed because they want to play with him, you see. That's what was going on with the Under Armour game that he played. They wanted to watch him play and play with him, you know, and that's what he energized, how he energized the team. He was scrambling around like a madman. They couldn't even touch him. And he'd hang, hang around the, uh, the, the um, don't, you know, the um, – Line before you got to make a run or something. Anyway, line of scrimmage. He'd hang around there and get around people and, and then throw a bullet and somebody in the flanker, you know, just hit them right in the middle of the chest. Well, we'll, we'll see what he can do uh, in a primetime situation for him on Friday night. Thank you, Bruce. Great hearing from you. We'll be back after this break. Back we are, Sports Talk, final half hour on this Tuesday night. Phil Kornblut in Florida. Pat Daniel back at our Dave and Buster Studios in downtown Columbia. Don't forget, Dave and Buster's with bowl season now raging, plus, of course, the NBA and NFL, big NFL games coming up this weekend as well. Dave and Buster's, that's the place to eat, drink, play, and catch the big games the rest of the season. And, of course, college basketball will be heating up. Most everybody will be in conference play here uh, at the turn of the turn of the year. We'll start paying more attention, of course, to college basketball. Eat, drink, play, and catch the big games all season long at Dave & Buster's, Greenville, Columbia, and Myrtle Beach. Got a couple of recruiting notes we'll get to in a, in a moment. We were talking about Cade Klubnik. Well, he was one of the Clemson players to be interviewed today at the media session for the Tigers in Fort Lauderdale. So let's hear what he had to say about being the man now, you know. It's one thing being the guy in the background, in the shadows, getting your opportunity here and there to step in when a game's out of hand or maybe step in in an emergency situation. You know, he did a good did a good job in an emergency situation against Syracuse. He did not play well in an emergency situation up at Notre Dame. Now, you could say the Tiger coaching staff made a mistake putting them in, putting him in when they did and where they were on the field and asking too much out of him. Now he gets the opportunity to take the rock from the opening snap and lead the team and see what he can do. And earlier today in Fort Lauderdale, before the Tigers went out to practice, he talked to the media about being in that position of being the guy at Clemson. Yeah, I feel great. Um, I feel great. I feel better than I ever have. Um, I feel great going in this game. Uh, a lot of confidence, but just a lot of confidence in this team. I think, you know, we've, we've had a great two days of practice so far. We had a great preparation uh, and bowl prep back, back in Clemson, and it, it's been great. I'm, I'm super excited for this team, and, you know, I think it's just going to leap us into next year as well. So. Okay, you still have the great responsibility. You know you're going to play have you kind of tried to keep yourself in that mindset knowing that there is more on your 
<clears throat> yeah, just trying to you know be the same me I've always been. Um, really not making it any more than it is, and just just approach it the same way I always have, really. And just you know this week and just you know prepare like I have been all year. Uh, I've been preparing every week, you know, like I was going to play, and just continue to stay ready, which has been one of the hardest things I've done. Um, but you know, I think it's helped me so much, just you know, in my preparation, really learning so much about about the game and just about defenses and, and how to watch film and uh, just continue to stay ready in everything that I'm doing. Uh, whether that's, you know, my film during the week, the way I'm attacking practice, you know, I, I think that when it comes to, you know, now becoming the starter, I think much, much has really changed. Um, it just kind of goes up to another level. So just continue to be who I am. Um, just be a, a selfless guy that, you know, just continue to love, love on people and uh, but just really not really trying to be any different. So. Why do you think you're um, I mean, I, I think I've always just been a, you know, I, I'm always full of energy. I think I've always been that way, um, especially with the game of football. I love playing it more than anything. Um, so, you know, every time I get an opportunity to go out there, I'm going to give everything I have. Um, but, you know, I think I've always, I've, I've also been blessed with just, you know, the opportunity to lead. Um, so every time I get to be able to do that, you know, I want to go lead the best I can and uh, with full of energy and just always encouraging. So. Coach Shooter talked about how multiple they are. How much of a challenge is that? Yeah, I mean, I think just post snap recognition is going to be a really good, a re really big deal for us this week, and um, just everybody being on the same page, communication uh, with the, with the linemen and the running backs, and uh, but just continue to just make make the game simple and just take take it one play at a time. So. What about the way Coach Sweeney sort of instills confidence in the other guys? Can you talk about that? <laughs> Yeah, he's he's very uplifting guy, um, very loyal, and you know he he loves his players. He's really a players first type of guy, and you know I, I love being around him. Even last night we were just hanging around the hotel talking for a while, and you know it's ten 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 thirty last night just talking for like twenty minutes, and just you know love being around him, and um, just he's so much more than just a football coach. He really cares about his players, and um, just just love being around him. So. All right, comments from Cade Klevnik, the guy who will be the guy for Clemson when the Tigers take on Tennessee on Friday night in Fort Lauderdale. That'll be interesting to see how he performs in this situation. Uh, my guess is that he will, given the opportunity and, and given the support of his teammates and some good performances around him, I'm sure he'll do well. He's got all the talent in the world, and the feeling is, is that uh, he can play with anybody and uh, and for anybody, and he's going to get that chance now that uh, Uyangalale has transferred on to Oregon State and um, going to start his new career there with the Beavers. That was a, you know, Pat. That's a that's still kind of a strange turn of events, very sudden and strange turn of events in my mind. It's at a place like Clemson, where they preach, of course, the the love of the program and the culture and the playing for the name of the school and not for the name on the back. And the fact that that Saturday night or early Sunday morning when Dabo Sweeney finally met with the media after winning the ACC championship and was asked about it, and he said, yeah, Kate Klubnick will be our starting quarterback, but DJ Uyangalale will be an excellent backup. He'll be a team man. He'll support him, and he'll be the number two moving forward and I fully expect that. And then within a couple of days, boom, he's in the transfer portal, John, and he's gone. Which, you know, 
it sort of drives home the message to me that as, as much as you preach about closeness and love and family and culture and all of that, even with a player who's been in your program as long as Uyangale has been, in today's world for many football players, if not most, it comes down to what's best for me and not what's best for you. And uh, Uyangale saw the handwriting on the wall, I guess, feeling like he wouldn't be given a chance to compete to get his job back and opted to take his ball and go to the West Coast. And it's interesting how we all – I hear everything you're saying. We all hear – things from coaches and interpret them our own ways because I, I I took Dabo's post-game press conferences and, uh, and then what he said the next few days completely the opposite of what you what you just described uh Dabo was quoted saying DJ is a special person he handles everything the right way moving forward Kate will be the uh be the starter going in DJ will be the backup we'll keep moving forward and I'm sure there will be plenty of conversation DJ graduates in a week or so so he's got a bright future he went on to say how He's a guy that always will have a special place in my heart because nobody has ever worked harder. Nobody has ever been more respected in this program. I took that almost as his way of politely saying goodbye. Um, I, I took that as the writing right there on the wall. Dabo described DJ seeing the writing on the wall as well. I, I knew from right then DJ was gone. And then Dabo later, I think it was a week or so after that, went on to say that once DJ had officially entered the portal, that he understood and he talked about how there's such a limited window for these young men in the portal. The When the portal opens at the beginning of December, there's only so many spots out there. Uh, we've harped upon the fact that there's 1,500-plus people in the, in the portal, but there may only be half of that many spots, scholarship spots, actually available across teams across the country. And once that spot's gone, if Oregon State had already found their presumptive starting quarterback for next season – well, that's one less opportunity for DJ. So he had to jump at that at that time. It was all a timing thing in order for him to continue his career. He was not going to beat out Kate Klubnik. And then you have Vizina coming in. DJ may have been third string next year in Clemson. I, I, I would not have been surprised that uh, next spring, or excuse me, next fall. Whereas now he gets a brand new, fresh start, closer to home, in an offense that is more predicated upon West, what's known as a West Coast offense, it's short downfield passes as opposed to 10, 15, 20-plus yard passes downfield. So this actually fits what DJ brings to the table a little bit more, or at least what we saw him bring to the table last season and this season where he struggled 15 yards or further downfield. Inside of that, he was all right, but he just seemed to have lost, whether it was a confidence thing or whatever, he just did not seem to have that accuracy downfield uh, so I'm happy for the young man. I, I'm happy for him. I think he landed in a good spot with the Beavers of Oregon State. And uh, I, I think that most Clemson fans out there and the Clemson players are all pulling for him to do well there. He has the talent to potentially reach the NFL. He just was not going to get there via Clemson. just wasn't going to happen. All right, now let me counter you with a couple of things. First of all, sure. what I was saying was he quickly entered the portal – Dabo did not expect him to enter the portal that quickly. I mean, they only had one more game left to play, and that was his bowl game. So I, I'm sure, I mean, based on what Dabo Sweeney was saying after the championship game, he expected Uyangale to be the backup quarterback for the bowl game. Did he not? That's the way I took that when he said he'll be our number two uh, looking ahead to the next game. Um, then he didn't actually jump at Oregon State so quickly. Uh, he first visited UCLA. Right. And then he visited Oregon State, and 
and then he obviously went on and committed to Oregon State and is going to ride it out with them for one more season. Um, UCLA so, had I mean, a five-star quarterback flip, I, sorry, from Oregon to UCLA. So I think that was what happened there, and he had to move on. Yeah. Well, and then, then you got to go back to this. Um, I mean, Uyangalale was one of the most chunked about quarterbacks coming out of high school, um, you know, rated among the best in the country. And you said he would not beat out Klubnik next year. Right. And he wouldn't beat out Vizina, so he'd be third. So the question has to be, who messed up here then? I mean, did they really mess up? Uh, I cited his stats the other day and pointed out his stats, you know, except for the interceptions, his yardage, his touchdowns, his rushing, um, were pretty doggone good, you know. Um, But who failed him? Who failed him? The people who said he was a great quarterback coming out of high school, made him a five-star and all this, and said, you know, he was going to you know, sashay right into an NFL career after three years at Clemson? Or did the Clemson coaching staff fail him by not developing him to the fullest? Who failed him? These are good questions. Or did he just uh, not have it? Did he just not have it, you know, at the level that people said he had it? Are the, the people who do the ratings wrong in this case? And that's where – you run into a lot of problems, and that's where it's somewhat unfair, even though the kids do, you know, covet the star ratings. You know, they go after it themselves, so they got no one to blame but themselves when they're overrated. But, I mean, was he just simply overrated? Um, and it was kind of a charade at Clemson for a couple of years there, thinking Uyangalale. But, but Sweeney would constantly sing his praises and talk about him being an NFL quarterback, an NFL arm, and all this, that, and another. Um but let's see what happens. You know, Kelly Bryant transferred to Missouri and basically flamed out there. Uh, let's see if Uyangalale can uh, pick up the career at Oregon State and, and be a star in the pack, whatever they're going to be next year, 10, 12, 14, 6, whatever they turn out to be next year. Great question. I, I, I could be wrong with this. Maybe I'm being too gentle here, but I, I'm not sure that I would label or, or want to – put anybody to blame for failing in this situation sometimes things just don't work out uh and both parties can kind of mutually agree to move on and that's what's best for both parties involved i'm not sure that necessarily means there were any failures um there were rumors i don't even want to say that on air um i don't know you do bring up a good i'm not i'm not that's why i stopped myself but I, i don't know if i want to blame or point to anybody as failing in this situation i don't know if it was clemson i don't know if it was dj i don't know if it was streeter who's the quarterback's coach or if it was dabo who's the head coach i don't know if there was family stuff back home i don't know if he was homesick i have i have no idea uh but i'm not sure that i would necessarily say that it was a a failure but if i did have to point it to anybody i'm you're you're gonna like this and maybe be surprised i'm gonna echo you here we put too much emphasis on stars we put too much emphasis on five stars being a surefire nfl talent blah 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 but maybe we all just hyped up dj a little bit too much after what we saw when he filled in for trevor lawrence back in notre dame in 2020 when he had that just magnificent performance up in south bend i think a lot of us just just kind of assumed that he would be the next great clemson quarterback and he would be able to replicate that performance over and over again And then there almost was a snowball effect where once he started not being able to replicate that, people started questioning, oh, well, is he too heavy? Is that causing him to be slow? 
or hey, what's up with his arm? His accuracy seems to be down. Uh, there just were a lot of question marks there, but I don't know if I necessarily want to label it as a, as a failure on anybody's part. It just it just did not quite work out for whatever reason. Um, you do bring up a good example with with Kelly Bryant. He, if I remember correctly, his first couple of games at Missouri started off pretty well. Then he suffered a knee injury, I think, against Georgia. And then from there, it just he just never recovered. It was just it was just downhill from there for the rest of his time, and he kind of bounced around up in Canada with a few teams, and it just never quite seemed to work out because um, he certainly had a lot a lot of hype as well. Maybe not quite as much as DJ, but he certainly had a lot of hype as well. But you do bring up a lot of good points there. Well, that's that's kind of what I like to do is bring up good points. Okay, uh, we go to the break. We'll come back and uh, hear from uh, Jordan Birch of the Gamecocks. A couple of recruiting notes for you as well as we put the final touches on tonight's uh, program from here in Florida as well as in Columbia. Uh, Coastal Carolina has gotten on the board there in Birmingham against East Carolina. So they are down a 10-7, making a ball game of it against the Pirates as they play in the uh, the bowl game there in Birmingham. Don't forget, we'll have post-game coverage of that game from Chris Bergen on our website, sportstalksc.com, after the ball game, and we'll be back in a moment. South Carolina's taste buds have spoken, and they're asking for beef. There are more than 7,800 farms raising cattle from pasture to plate in the Palmetto State. So whether it's steaks on the grill before the big game, sirloin medallions plate it for date night, or burgers with a family, make sure beef is a part of your playbook this football season. Smoke, grilled, and slow roasted. Find the best way to enjoy your beef at seccattle.org. Beef. It's what's for dinner in South Carolina. Funded by the South Carolina Beef Council, part of the Beef Checkoff Program. I'm attorney Jim Corbett. I love sports, and I've helped people for over 30 years. Contact me at jim at jimcorbettattorney.com when the insurance company won't pay your claim or you have complicated issues. Some other business causes your business to lose money? Jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. When you lose a relative and find out you got cut out of a will or don't get what was promised. When you have serious injury, like from a wreck or mishap or on the job. Jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. Life, it has its ups and downs. Sometimes it's little things like hitting every red light or dropping your cell phone. Maybe it's the bills, rent, or pressure at work. But when it comes to the South Carolina Education Lottery, you should never feel like playing will solve everything. The lottery is a game. It's played for fun. So set a dollar amount. Expect not to win and make sure responsibilities, family, friends, and work come first. Visit PlayResponsiblySC.com. Time for the recruiting news tonight here on Sports Talk. It is brought to you by Seawells. A reminder, Seawells will be closed with their daily luncheon buffet the rest of this week. They will open back up next week after New Year, so get ready for that. They had better be ready for a huge crowd because people are going to be dying to get back to Seawells 
for that buffet that runs 11 to 2 Monday through Friday on the days that it's offered. And it's offered every day except when there's a holiday. So get there for that next week. And, of course, for the very best in the catering business, you just need to check out the good folks at Seawells. They've been at it for more than 80 years, and they are the best in the business when it comes to handling your uh, big event at their location, or they'll come to your location and take care of the business there. Now in recruiting, just a couple of quick notes. USC commitment, Xavier Hardy, defensive end out of Macon, Georgia, told Ryan Wright of Rivals that he got the word back from the NCAA Clearinghouse on Christmas, and he is good to go. Of course, he was supposed to sign here in December. He had to hold up because he had not been approved by the Clearinghouse. He's quoted in this story as saying, I went through the clearinghouse and I was cleared on Christmas. I will sign in February. I am still locked in with South Carolina. So there you go. That's uh, good news for the Gamecocks from that standpoint with uh, Xavier Hardy. They really liked him when they got his commitment, and he appears to be in a position to be able to move forward. So that's certainly good news and something to look forward to for South Carolina in terms of um, signing in February. Also, just a couple of other uh, quick notes in recruiting on this uh, Tuesday night. We'll dive more into recruiting when we have time to work on it some more uh, tomorrow. But tight end Christian Bentinker, who's out of Illinois, he named a top three, Clemson, Oregon, and Ohio State. So he is a big-time prospect, and Clemson is in the final three for him. And I think... That is probably going to do it for our recruiting notes tonight. Oh, one more, one more. Defensive tackle Heaven Brown Schuler from Atlanta plans to announce his favorite schools on New Year's Day. Clemson and USC have been heavily involved with him. Of course, he once lived, he once lived in Columbia. And the Gamecocks have been uh, trying to, uh, of course, take advantage of that to win him over. There you go with the uh, recruiting notes for tonight brought to you by Seawells. Some quick comments from USC's Jordan Birch, who takes on a bigger role on that defensive line now. Zach Pickens is gone, and he's got to play big. He's got to be a leader up front, and he's got to fight off those big offensive linemen from Notre Dame knowing that the Irish are going to try and line up and run the football. He talked with the media today following the Gamecocks practice. First day, it was pretty cold. Um, you know, it was getting back in that Florida weather. Um, but we've been having fun, you know, getting ready for the game. Obviously, there's been a few guys who have made some decisions. I don't know How's that rotation um, I guess next man up, um, you know, we've been, we've been preparing pretty well for that. Um, you know, everybody's ready for the game. Like, um, they practice pretty hard just for the moments like this. I guess why did you want to play? A lot of gets made about the guys who don't and opt out. What made you want to play in this bowl game? Um, I love my teammates. Um, you know, I love everybody in the building. Uh, you know, and this is a good opportunity to you know, play again with my teammates. You know, some seniors won't be here next year, so you know, playing with them. Hey, baby, baby. Jordan's making next year. You made a decision about next year. I haven't made one. When you do kind of sit down and decide what that looks like, what what goes into that decision? What are you going to talk to? What are you going to play? Um, yeah, talk to my mom, uh, my coaches, to see what's best for me. You know, uh, seeing how that process works, and, and then making the best decision. 
guys, how have you seen kind of a Brian Thomas about guy that's probably going to have to play a lot of snaps for you guys? How have you seen him progress? Yeah, he's doing good. Um, he asks a lot of questions. Uh, and he's a good athlete. Um, he probably does a lot of stuff better than some of us. So, um, yeah, he's pretty good. He's next man up, too. So he'll play, he'll play a lot this game. All right, Jordan Birch. Now, you know, he's not seeking my advice, but my goodness, I I don't think he's – I mean, who – I mean, what would make him believe he's going to be a high draft pick to where he should leave now? I mean, he's had a, a better season, and he showed some flashes, but by all means, I think he needs to come back next year. High draft pick. He still needs he to work on his craft. Well, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I, I don't know. He needs to come back and work on his craft, get stronger. He does have the really good speed, but he could he could be a dominating player next year if he improves um, like he did this year. But I, you know, I don't think I don't think by any means he's ready to take that next step. A couple of other quick things: Dallas Mavericks have signed former Gamecock guard AJ Lawson to a two-way contract. He'll wear number nine for Dallas, and Pro Football Focus put out a ranking of players in the transfer portal, John, and they ranked DJ Uyangalale as the number three player in the portal, John, before he decided on Oregon State. So he was ranked number three, and former Gamecock tight end Jaheim Bell headed to Florida State. He was ranked sixth among the top 25 players in the transfer portal, John. Okay, that's going to do it. Thank you, Pat. Great job back at our Dave & Buster Studios in Columbia. Thank you for the phone calls. Thank you for listening tonight. Have a great night. Smitty will be in Jacksonville. I'm here with the Tigers. (coughs) Excuse me. And we'll bring it all to you tomorrow night. Have a great night.